0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to On The Number with me, your host, Andrew Jensen. This is episode three. Three whole episodes. I can't believe it. Three of infinity. There's gonna be so many of these to come. So I am pumped and I'm rambling a little bit. It's been two weeks. I miss you. I feel like we have so much to catch up on. The elephant in the room, the US Open. Pretty much everyone watched the US Open. It was... Pretty awesome, I gotta admit. I, um, I'm i a big fan. It turned out to be an awesome tournament. I love majors that have a bit of drama at the end, and the way that that leaderboard was shaking down, you weren't going to have a dramatic finish, but what ended up happening, obviously, with Bryson is pretty amazing like to have someone win a major by six strokes that wasn't kind of a blowout walk away no contest was nice and unfortunately the way that, that leaderboard shook down how wolf and bryson kind of switched spots and bryson just rolled with it and i mean call a spade a spade he shot um what eight strokes better than the average that day so he, he outplayed everyone and then some and deserves that championship, deserves that title. So well done to Bryson um, people. Oh, we need the Bryson Bruce the. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Just shut up. Like you said that with Tiger when Tiger hit. It's not like Bryson hit it so much further than everyone else playing that week. Like him and Wolf were side by side. He just has speed and he had determination and yeah, he hit it in the rough and could hack it out of the rough because he swings so fast and, I mean, the USGA, they're a special organization. Um, so I wonder what next year's US Open is going to look like at Tory Pines. Are they going to make the fairways 10 yards wide? Are they going to grow the rough 12 inches? Like, the, who knows? The USGA doesn't like being embarrassed, if you will. And that first round, having that many guys shoot under par, they were all butthurt. And, hey, they changed the course. But thankfully, Bryson said, I'm still going to go under par, and then some. I had predicted that the winning score would definitely be over par, and, I mean, if not for him, I was right, well, even par, but I didn't think anyone was going to break par for the tournament. Bryson did, well done, U.S. Open champion, first major champion, um, first major championship, so good for him. I think a lot of cool things are going to happen with this guy in, in the future. I've always been a fan of this new thing he's doing, putting on weight, and just trying to hit the golf ball further swing faster and be consistent And he approaches it kind of like a long driver and it's amazing so well done for him um, and then this past weekend the corrales punta Cana championship bit of a this is a bittersweet one for me because this event was actually supposed to happen in march and i believe the saturday of the tournament was my birthday and The company that puts this event on had reached out and invited me down there. Uh, So Kelly and I were going to go down there for the whole tournament and film some content, play a course, film that, film a vlog out there, Instagram takeovers. We were going to do a lot of cool stuff from like in the VIP experiences. We're going to have a blast in the Dominican. But good old coronavirus said, fuck that. You're not coming. So you're going to have your birthday by yourself and with your wife and do nothing. Uh, You're not coming to the Dominican. And now this tournament, I guess, is part of the new season. So it's not happening in March. So that was it. If fans were allowed at this event, we probably would have gone down. But we did not. And um, unfortunately, I didn't pay much attention to it. Just looking at the leaderboard here. I was seeing that um, Mac was in the hunt. Good old Mackenzie Hughes. But then a buddy of mine, Tyler McCumber, Jacksonville dude. Awesome, awesome guy. He was right there with a chance to win. But it looks like Hudson Swafford won by one stroke and uh good for hudson hasn't won in a few years hudson swafford famously known on the internet for the practice swing shot <laughs> where he hits the divot and the divot hits the ball and then like oh what do we do um that's hudson swafford but this event obviously you see a lot of names you probably weren't familiar with nate lashley adam long james Hahn, good old james Hahn, right in there um Zalatoris, this guy is a stud, Corn Ferry guy, top 10 the to US Open. But this is an awesome event to see a lot of players that you've you maybe not heard of. And like I said in the first episode, you know, this fall golf on the PGA Tour is where you see a lot of guys that are trying to get a hot start, earn some points, get themselves in a lot of events for the rest of the season, and guys that, you know, have had careers that are full of ups, downs, and Maybe it's their rookie year and they're 24, or maybe it's their rookie year and they're 34. So these events are pretty dope for that. So um, I would highly encourage anyone out there, pay attention to these events, pay attention to some players you've never heard of, pick a few names, watch them going through the leaderboard here. I mean, heck, just pick names that are, that are fun names. I mean, Will's Zalatoris, that's pretty pretty fun name there. He's worth a follow um let's see what kind of good names good Hank Libiota. that's a fun name Hank played on the McKenzie tour for a year great great season top five um Kramer Hickok top player on the Canadian tour McKenzie tour in like 2017 I believe correct me if I'm wrong fact check someone back there that's a good name though um what else we got in here Ooh, Ricky Barnes in there Bo Hostler, like that's just a beauty handle right there. Great name, Willie Pumarol. Wow, I think that's like a Latin American tour player who. Uh, that's a Willie Pumarol. Nice, that's a pretty good uh, good name there. So yeah, Dominican. Well done, Hudson Swafford, and a little tradition I want to make happen in this. Podcast is because on the short par four app, they have comments, and we're not on iTunes or Spotify just yet where people can put reviews. So, comments are kind of cool. So, I'm going to share some of these with you. And I think these might be some repeat commenters. So, shout out to y'all. Y'all are big fans and we appreciate it. Dennis Vasbinder, love hearing about the other side of professional golf. Thanks, Dennis. John Keffer, love it. Interesting hearing the truth about some of the real struggle of caddies or on the number. And how tough it is. Also really cool hearing about the big break. I used to love that show as well. So this is all from last episode with Matt Galloway. If you haven't listened to it, give it a listen. We hear some, tell some great stories about Michelle Wee, about the Solheim Cup, about the big break. Awesome stuff there. Mark shear Oh, yeah, Open stuff. This was a question about the U.S. Open merch. Hopefully he sorted it out. Noah Wallace. Love it. Keep up the hard work. Noah, another Noah. Love it. Keep up the hard work. So he has two accounts and he's commenting twice. We really appreciate that. Noah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, what else is going on? What else is going on? We have an awesome, awesome guest in today's podcast. Um, Really great chat, friend of mine, internet friend of mine, if you will. We've never hung out in person, but we've been buddies now because of Instagram and Twitter for seven years. It's like 2013, 2014. Mr. Ewan Porter, Australian, two-time Corn Fairy Tour winner. Awesome conversation coming up with him shortly. What's going on with me? I um, will be playing a tournament this week. going to play a Swing Thought event, local one. It's um, this Wednesday, Thursday, down in Ormond Beach at Plantation Bay. went and played a practice round last week, and really, really good golf course, really nice course, reminding me of the Valley course at TPC Sawgrass. Played a practice round, filmed it with some like how-to things that I look for in my practice round, so that video is actually going to come out. This Thursday on the YouTube channel. So if you're keen on, um, you know, knowing what's, wanting to know what goes on in a practice round, what what we look for, what we try to do, or you want to try to shake up how you handle your practice rounds, that video will be up on Thursday. While I'm playing my second and final round, um, enjoyed making that video. It was a lot of fun. Dropped a lot of a lot of knowledge about practice rounds. So that video is one you don't want to miss. Yeah, my first tournament since late july my game is feeling pretty good for the videos that i film (laughs) for when i play but i've played a couple rounds of golf this last week or two without the camera just playing golf because that's what i need to do if i want to play the odd tournament locally and not shoot a pair of 78s so my game does feel my swing feels actually awesome i need to practice a little bit this week kind of hone in the short game 80 yard 70 yard shots because those are the feel shots that you lose when you're not playing a lot of golf and then when i get out there i just need to trust myself have some fun and here's hoping that i can play and shoot the scores that i i know i can i'm excited though and i don't feel like an immense amount of pressure like i used to so that's good that's a good better relationship with tournament golf and even in this interview with you and we talk about that a lot about our relationships with tournament golf loving it hating it and um kind of this this interview is it's deep it's very deep we we cover some topics that i think a lot of people could learn a lot from about golf and not even just professional golf just our relationship with golf our relationship with score and what it does to us mentally and emotionally this relate this uh inter- this interview this chat we have yeah i'm it's you're really going to love it Ewan Porter is a really smart guy. He's he's traveled the world. And like I said, he's got two two Corn Ferry wins. He's had quite the career into broadcasting. Uh, now he's running an amazing junior tournament in Australia. And we talk about that. We talk about mentoring. We talk about giving back to the game of golf. And, you know, how the struggles that we've been through have given us such a different relationship to the game of golf that we actually love it and enjoy it. And we feel like we're gaining a lot more and we are more happy with our careers, the way that they look now, versus if we had just, you know, been made our dreams of playing on the PGA tour and made $30 million and kind of just did golf just for ourselves. We've now, um, our relationship with golf has switched. So we're doing it for ourselves and others. And yeah, this interview is, is great. Um, Short Par 4, again, this interview is kind of brought to you by them. If you're not familiar with Short Par 4, even if you've just been down on the app, listen to the podcast, Short Par 4, click around the app. It's your personal style, Caddy. They will hook you up with a box of clothes every month at like more than half off retail because who likes paying full price for golf clothes? Who likes shopping? Nobody, nobody. They, different brands every month, they'll send you an amazing selection of apparel and some goodies based on your sizes your styles you select all of that so just go to shortpar4.com use the code AJ20 if you haven't um is it AJ20 or AJ Golf? it's AJ20 yeah use the code AJ20 uh, to get 20% off your first box if you've not used the service I highly highly recommend using the service I believe this upcoming month is Under Armour a little insider knowledge, a little sneak peek of what to expect in your October box. So yes, this interview is brought to you by Short Par 4. Please enjoy an amazing conversation with the one and only Mr. Ewan Porter. Last week I I did cheers, but you're in Australia. It's 8 a.m., 6 p.m. here. You have coffee?
1: Cheers. I've already had a a triple espresso this morning, so I'm onto the waters now.
0: Because pretty hardcore, isn't it? it is australians do like their coffee that is really? one thing you are known for and you are a beer man yourself as well just like you're truly because yeah you like really went into that like you only, you had like some broadcasting stuff with beer and travel yeah and that's probably like how our instagram friendship started
1: yeah i remember that look i mean for me it was uh i'd say it was 2008 when i was traveling around playing the nationwide tour which is now the corn ferry tour and I was always intrigued by the different beers that I'd find on taps at restaurants and brew pubs where I'd go of an evening and I think just that inquisitive mindset I'd slowly start trying new beers and over time that developed and um, when I yeah when I stopped playing I instead of I mean there's obviously a lot of different options that you've got when you when you stop playing and for me it was just pursuing this this beer thing was something that I wanted to get off my chest and it left a fair dent in the wallet and uh, <laughs> yeah no kidding in, in saying that I had so many incredible experiences because I traveled the world for sort of 12 to 18 months learning all about beer and I went to 22 countries 24 US states um, initially I blogged about it and that
0: yeah I remember that
1: e- yeah it, it turned into an ebook that I wrote about it I filmed it web series for travel channel on the craft beer culture and then it all culminated in uh, spending roughly nine months in Montana working at a brewery which was the most incredible period of my life because it's the first time I've I've been I have been completely broke like I had no money Um, yeah I was crashing on some guy's couch the only money I I made because of my visa situation was purely tips so I was just living I was just living day to day but the, the place that I was in in Montana there was so incredibly beautiful. The people that I met, it was just nice to be doing something different when I'd only ever known golf as an adult. So after eleven or twelve years of doing that, it was it was something very different, and I think helped me appreciate different uh, different cult not only different cultures but a different way of living because I'd been pretty spoiled and pretty selfish to that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it, you're, when you were doing that, I remember, obviously, like, we we would, sh- you know, shoot the shit a lot about it in messaging because it was, like, coinciding with the craft beer boom mm-hmm. in America. Because I don't know for you, like, for me growing up in Canada, our beer situation is we were, it was imports. Like, you wanted imports. Like, you'd try Hefeweizens, you'd try Abbey ales, like, that was the thing. And then now, like, I'm such a snob, like, I, I don't want any import beer.
1: You and me both, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I want a good craft beer and I'm spoiled now in Florida. Like it's such, there's so many great options. Like my wife and I, our first date was at a brewery. Like that's just kind of like the through line, but it is, it, it kind of comes back. Like you were saying when you were on the nationwide, my first year on the Canadian tour in 2008, I got into Scotch cause it's like, it's, it's weird how golfers have so much downtime Yeah, and like alcohol seems to unite us. But you can kind of take maybe your like nerdism that you have or or perfectionism mm-hmm. to golf and put it into because there was guys like we played when I played the South American tour, like guys in chill, like going to wineries. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, the odd tournament that I play, I'm going to check out the craft beer like wherever yeah. I am. And like it's, it's, it adds, it makes the travel experiences like so much better. Like, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think that um, obviously you're a little bit limited when when you are playing as to what you can actually branch out and see because there's always practice schedules tea times buses etc airports all of that but i know that when i stopped playing and i was traveling the world not just for beer but traveling for for leisure and pleasure as well over time and i guess through a bit of trial and error i figured out what it was that um that i really enjoyed when i was experiencing a new place and a new culture and probably similar to yourself. I love finding a good coffee shop. I love finding a good yeah. bookstore, um, a good whiskey bar, a good brewery. And I just love uh, grabbing a bike and no matter where I was in the world and riding around a place. And, I, and and those those things for me were the staple of every single place that I went and and all my experiences. And I knew that if that was the foundation, those things that I just mentioned, I knew that I'd, I'd have fun wherever I was.
0: Yeah. Cause the same thing. Cause I was all, I mean, I was blogging in 2008. So it's like, I'd want to find a coffee shop to work at. And even now, like I can't, I can't edit. I can't do anything at home because it's just, you're so creature of habit. Yeah. I mean, I think for us playing golf our whole lives, like we are creatures of habit. Like we, and we have our creature comforts and we want to do X, Y, Z in, in this manner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't be creative or do anything outside. Like I have to find that coffee shop. And, but then what's fun yeah. like, with someone like you and someone like Galloway, I never traveled with you guys, but we could talk about beer, coffee in different places because we've all been in these different places. Yeah. And that's something I didn't have when I traveled. Like I didn't travel with guys and do things with guys. And maybe it's because I was too like, oh, I, I, I put so much pressure on myself. Like it's it's very public how hard things were for me mentally, but like I didn't want to have fun. It's like I no, I had to do this. I had to do this. I had to do this. And like for you, I mean, I experienced it a little bit when I was playing in the states. In Canada, I was super comfortable because I was I knew Canada. I was with Canadians. But like, did you experience that? Like when you were traveling through America, at the time where there are a lot of Aussies on the nationwide with you, like did you have that kind of?
1: Yeah, look, man. I think everything you just said and everything that you've been very public about, I 100% admire you for. I mean, it's it's um, very right, commendable man. what you've come out and said and done. But I mean, I can totally relate to it because yeah. everything you were you were mentioning then. I mean, I was I felt like the Lone Ranger because everything that I've mentioned in the last uh, in the last five to ten minutes, I, would, I I certainly felt like I was the only one wanting to go and experience new things and. I don't think I was, but I, I felt that way at the time. And, um, you know, when I was uh, – I think everyone sort of felt obliged to practice and play and and do what they needed to do in order to improve yeah. and improve their ranking and position, um, what have you. But, I mean, the, the, the experience, the sense of loneliness, the, the sadness, the um, – just the, the amount of times that I'd sit in hotel rooms around the U S in the middle of nowhere and just be bawling my eyes out and felt like I had nobody to turn to. And yeah. I call my my mother generally in Australia at all hours of the morning here. And, um, it was, it was certainly not glamorous. And, um, I think now that I've got perspective from the other side, you know, I fully appreciate even more what my mother has, uh, has done oh. for me. Certainly what dad did when he was around as well. But, um, look i mean I, I certainly in saying all of that i wouldn't change anything i do i do things differently if i had a wiser head on my shoulders then, or
0: <laughs> i remember reading your book i was like yeah, there's, but, there's a few things you can tell that like but i think that's maybe our culture too
1: yeah we're look, from I mean,
0: cultures where we yeah, want to ex- where we're told to experience well, I think what's if around if, us
1: i think if you uh, myself and galloway had traveled together we never would have made a tea time but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's interesting when I reflect on that book because I think sometimes things are misconstrued in, in writing a little bit, and it was my yeah. first. It was my first um, effort into into that publishing world or writing or anything along those um, those lines. But it was a good reflection of where I was at that point when I wrote it. It was end of two thousand and twelve, and that was uh, the, basically when I stopped playing. I stopped playing at the yeah. beginning of twenty thirteen. And there was definitely an element of, um, of fear there about what I was going to do going forward because I'd only ever known one thing in my life. But um, look, I was just, when I was playing, I was a 20-something-year-old traveling the world playing golf for a living. I mean, yeah. a, lo- a lot of the fun that I had, a lot of that really wasn't fun. It was I, I was sad. I was upset about how I was playing. So I went out and I explored a new place and had a few too many drinks, and it wasn't yeah. that often, but I did do that. And uh, I think yeah. when people read the book, I I mentioned those stories because if I had a if I had have said that ninety five percent of the time I was in a hotel room watching TV and went to bed at nine o'clock, it probably wouldn't have been that interesting to read. So, yeah. um, you know, I mentioned the the fun stories and the fun times that I uh, that I did have, and I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm apologetic for anything I did because that was my way of thinking at the time. I, yeah. I, will, I would say that now that I'm wiser and oh, feel perspective like I'm more changes mature, everything. I would I would probably do things a little bit differently. And I always try I always tried my best to treat people with respect. I just think that I probably should have treated myself with a bit more respect when I was out there.
0: But yeah, I couldn't agree more. But it's one of those things. Like, you know, we look back in our mid mid to late thirties now like, you don't know that when you're 24.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: You think you do, but you have no idea. And now you're thrown in this world of like, okay, just you're on your own completely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you won on Nationwide at what? You were 27 when you won Moonalinks? 25
1: when I won that and then 27 in Georgia.
0: Okay, so what year were you born?
1: 82.
0: Oh, you're in 82. I thought you were in 81. Okay, yeah, you're only two years older than me. Mm. So, yeah, it's like you just you don't know. And then at that time too, you're traveling on a tour with a TV show and like the pressure is, is probably pretty, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. And then by the same time, we're traveling at a time where like you <clears throat> said, 95% of the time, the stuff we do mm. isn't glamorous. It's boring. It's, it's downright sad maybe, but w- even still, I mean, we're more in a place in a world now where it's okay to talk about those things, but then absolutely not.
1: No, and especially
0: I, I having a couple wins under your belt on the nationwide. If you're trying to talk to about publicly or to anyone about like, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm really unhappy or I'm really not well, or this is really tough. People, mm. c- It would be hard for them to understand that. Whereas exactly. now it's almost like we have the opportunity to like help younger generations. But I mean, for me, I still like, I don't know if I regret I'm pretty okay with the fact that I'll never play on the PGA tour. Yeah. But that, that probably didn't happen until like a year or two ago. Right. right? Where you're like, cause it's like, ah, uh, it's all we, it's all we wanted.
1: That's um that's actually a really, really, really good point because that was for me and I think for most golfers, that's the dream, right. To play yeah. the PGA tour, no matter yeah. where you're from in the world. And I think, I don't know, I think it might have been about 10 years, nine or 10 years we had nationwide tour events down here in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I think I'm still the only person to have won one of those tournaments who didn't graduate to the PGA Tour. Really? And then I won again in 2010 in the US and I didn't graduate to the PGA Tour. Yeah. So, you know, the lifelong dream for me was to, um, was to play on the PGA Tour. So when I stopped playing at 30 years old and realised that, Okay, yeah, I mean, I'd won a couple of times. i have played a few major championships, but I'd never actually graduated to the PGA Tour. Um, that was, I hear you, that was very, very hard to deal with. Um, and even now with what I've delved into with the broadcasting and the media and all of that, I, I feel like, you know, someone like a Golf Channel or a CBS, they're, they're really only going to employ someone who's won a major championship or has a big name from playing the PGA Tour. It, it might not matter so much. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. It might not matter so much that they don't um, elaborate or elo- eloquate things as as well as what you know what I believe I could or, or yeah. another person oh, with my yeah. record. But um, I, I think over time I've become much much more comfortable with it because I know that my experiences and everything have led me to where I am today. And had I not walked away and just keep you know kept plugging away. At with trying to reach the PGA Tour. A, I don't think it would have been great at all for my mental health. And B, I don't think – I didn't want to be 35 or 40 years old and wondering, geez, what the hell am I going to do now with my life? I knew that there were there were other things that I was interested about. Obviously, we've spoken about the beer, but the broadcasting and the commentating yeah. was one of them. The um, You know, obviously, in the past 12 to 18 months running this junior series here in Australia, just the, the sensation I've got from that of giving back and being, oh, being unselfish. It's, um, it's a completely different feeling and so much more rewarding than anything I ever did for myself.
0: Yeah, that's exactly. I feel very, very similar because like starting the YouTube channel, I still thought like that was 2017. So I was 33. I'm like, I was still thinking like this could be something to leverage into yeah. pushing myself and, and competing. But then it's like it's a full time job. Anything public media creation, it's a full time job. And it took me a long time to accept that. But now, thankfully, I mean, I've got a great wife, I've got a great new home and like that's helped me accept it. But then, like you said about your your junior sixes in the last, I mean, I deal with so many fuckheads on YouTube comments, right? Like,
1: yeah. not
0: so many, I shouldn't say that, but there's a good dozen of them that just want to berate me for how bad I am because they find me in this little capsule of, Oh, I just played two tournaments this year and, but I did I broke my arm last year. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not that I make, I make YouTube videos full time, but you have these people that maybe, I don't know if you experience it, but they want to tell you how bad you are. But at the end of the day, that, that pales in comparison to, I'm sure you experience it so, so much with the juniors. And I experience it in my pro versus junior videos, but messages from college kids, like just helping. Yeah. And when we were 23, 24, if you had asked us that, would you be happy with doing that? I have been like, absolutely not. Mm, like, exactly it's really right. interesting. You're like, no, no, no. I only want to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's funny how, I mean, I'm fortunate with this new media. Like, I play golf for a living still. And I guess if you look back at what 12-year-old Andrew wanted to do, he wanted to play golf for a living. Yep. Obviously, it was PGA Tour, but it, it changes. And it feels like, you know, our you had more success than me but it feels like our journeys really mirrored each other in many different ways personally professionally and now post golf because you're still playing the odd tournament here and there right like you're just kind of
1: oh because
0: australia you guys have a good pro-am circuit don't you like things that just pop up
1: yeah i mean we this year obviously a little bit different yeah uh, coronavirus but yeah i I mean i'm playing since 2013 i've played one or two four-round tournaments per year but i'll play a handful of 18 or 36 hole yeah. programs here and there. I played more golf since March than I have in the last eight years. And you know, I've been lucky enough to have a few games with Adam Scott and Lucas Herbert yeah. when they were back. And I love the game. You know, I, I think as I mentioned before, it's it's given me everything in my life and uh, I don't think anything will ever replace that childhood enthusiasm that I had for the game when I was a kid, because you don't have the scar tissue yeah. and you haven't faced the adversity and have all the demons that I do now, oh. but, at that, but at the yeah. same token, I'm really, really enjoying getting out there and playing and even little things like playing nine holes across the road here at uh, at sunset and seeing the wildlife out in the kangaroos. I mean, if I had have told my friends that at 25, they would have laughed at me, but um, yeah. i love doing that now. I mean, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's, um, you know, it, it's tranquil, it's peaceful, and I uh, just, I enjoy my own company as well, so... Uh, I'm very thankful uh, for everything golf has given me and hopefully that'll continue.
0: Yeah. Cause it, it is cool. Cause I correct me if I'm wrong. You, you probably agree. There was many years where I didn't love golf at all, but it was yeah. still my job and it was still, it was my, everything It was my identity, my job, my worth. Like it was literally everything. And so yeah. much so that when it ended, I didn't think I had any reason to live. Like it was the first domino to fall. But now like this relationship with golf, I know you're saying like that childlike thing and it's kind of funny what you're doing right now, like what we were messaging when I was in my dad's looking at my dad's old clubs and what I did last fall. Like looking like finding the clubs from when we were kids Yep. and maybe even older. It is like that's that's the closest I feel I'm getting to that childlike kind of connection to the game because we're hitting this stuff that's so old, not fit for us. But it's just like it's its a new challenge almost with something that we were already kind of comfortable with, which is super, super bizarre. Yeah. But, yeah, you're, you're really geeking out on your
1: old clubs, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's, certain, there's that nostalgia element to it. And, you know, when I put a Persimmon driver in my hand or one of the small hella, headed tailor-made burner drivers, yeah, Callaway Warbirds, whatever it is, using Belladas, it takes me back to 25 years ago when I was just sort of beginning my foray into, into the game of golf. And uh, it, just just hitting one shot with those clubs, I have about a 1,000 different images of where I was and what I did as a kid yeah. with, that, um, with that certain club or technology. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it's sort of a metaphor for everything in life, right? What we have at the end of the day are the memories and the yeah. experiences, and um, that's what I've got from geeking out on uh, the four to five thousand dollars that i've spent in the last six months on uh, on retro and vintage you
0: like australian dollars or u.s dollars
1: australian dollars oh, so yeah. Still three thousand $3, u.s dollars
0: Oh, sorry i'm thinking canadian because four thousand australian dollars is a lot of canadian dollars
1: yeah yeah it is i mean yeah probably let's just say three three and a half thousand u.s dollars i've spent on retro and vintage equipment and i know there's um there's a there's a retro golf day every year here in Australia in um, t- October November that won't be happening this year. But I'm having a game of golf next week with Adam Scott's father, Phil. And Phil used to um, he used to build and refurbish old clubs. And we're both going to have about 30 clubs in our bag and just same sort of thing, just geeking out over nine holes, just using different equipment and talking about the good old days, I guess.
0: Well, it's like that that video I made hunting down old Tailormade clubs, mm-hmm. it started with we were in a vintage shop because my wife and I like to go antiquing, just like something to do. Yeah. And 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 then I found like those EL ones. So the second Tailormade Iron ever made. Mm-hmm. So from nineteen eighty one. But the like what's kind of what I rounded out the set was Kelly's dad, up and so the day that I asked for his permission to marry her i kind of did it under the guise of oh i need to fit you into new irons you need to get the 790s because he was still using the tour preferred blades from 1987 in the year 2018 i love those they're, oh they're so good they're still yeah. so good yeah. so like i because I, this set we found was missing a six iron and a pitching wedge so i like for the video i i still have it in the bait in the garage like the six iron and the pitching wedge but those irons were unbelievable but then yeah. finally it reminded me of like when I worked in the back shop, like this one putter that's this hideous tailor-made putter. And I didn't use tailor-made clubs growing up. Like my dad was a ping staffer, and I think I used ping knockoffs into pings. But that one tailor-made putter was so ugly. But as like a 13-year-old, I thought it was so cool. Like those uh, – I don't even know which one what they're called. They're just hideous. And it almost looks like the trust now, which is really ugly too. <laughs> but then when I was –
1: even you just like I'm. am listening to everything you're saying, but my mind's also casting back to what I used and did as a as a child as well. When I first started playing, and the enthusiasm just to have just to have golf clubs, just to have the equipment there to be able to go and play that sport, that's something yeah. that gets lost over time. You become, I think, a little bit ungrateful because it becomes more of a chore. But you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there who don't even. Aren't even afforded the the option to go and play golf or that opportunity. So you know we should be. But grateful.
0: that is one of one of the cool things about like this secondhand vintage market, at least over here. Like that one in the video I sent you, and like look at this place, hundreds of clubs yeah. for like two dollars a club, and I for see, context, yeah. Ewan was like. Um, at this frame can is that what can you go there and look for this and then can you ship this to australia for me i'm like i got a bunch of old taylor maids that i can send you but i'm like you are you're committed to this like are you trying to re- rebuild any particular sets or just like amass as much as you
1: can yeah i mean there's no um uh, there's there's sort of no thought of me um trying to create a, a mark, or trying to create a, a, a business out of it and, and re, resell or no, 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 no. refurbish or anything it's more just collecting for the time being and um I, I i basically lived and again i'm sure you can resonate with this i lived so, so much of a, a nomadic lifestyle yeah uh lived in every corner of the us moved back to australia moved back to the us so i was forever giving stuff away because i couldn't yeah. travel with everything and a lot of the stuff that i bought um like the aforementioned warbirds and tailor-made burners and pilates that's all stuff that i used as a kid but i gave it all away because i I didn't want to hoard and i couldn't travel with everything so now i'm i'm recollecting a lot of the stuff that i that i had as a kid and uh it's a wonderful feeling there's a part of me that thinks you know shit i wish i hadn't have given that away but (laughs) most of the stuff that i did give away it's available out there somewhere and, yeah uh, i've got to pay an extra hundred bucks for it i will
0: but still so kind of speaking of that because it got me thinking so when i was looking through I, I did a video with the the clubs that i turned pro with so these were all the clubs i used in late 2007 and one was a, a nickent or nickent i don't know how you pronounce it <laughs> yeah. it was the the ironwood but what's yeah. funny is because all of you australians I don't know if you were part of that crew that all kind of went to, fe- to Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Is that where you set up shop when you when yeah. you moved to America? Okay. Because yep. I remember all the guys on the Canadian tour. Because we had like a good 10 Australian guys on the Canadian tour.
1: Who, Brad we Lamb. Had, Brad we Lamb. had Brad
0: Lamb. We had Andy Johnson, Adam Bland,
1: yep.
0: uh, Michael Choi. Yep. And then uh, from Tasmania, Clint Rice.
1: Clint Rice, yep. Yeah.
0: And then there was one guy, but then there was Josh Geary from New Zealand who kind of rolled with them. Yeah. And then there was a, another guy, Craig, somebody
1: Craig Scott. Yes. Craig like, guy. pretty
0: loose cannon. cannon. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. pretty brash, pretty like, yeah. but they, cause I remember when my first on the Canadian tour, like they were all using Nikan stuff in 2008 yeah. and you won, you were I'm, you're when it was cool to wear hat visors with our hair gelled out of it. When yeah, you won when I Luna,
1: because
0: <laughs> so have you found any of those, or did you keep those? Did you keep anything from like your big wins?
1: Uh, yeah, I kept the, uh, the 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 ping putter that I used to win that Moonar tournament. Yeah. Um, it was like a big ashtray, and one of the cool things actually, is that if, one. as you're probably aware, is if you win an internationally recognised tournament using a ping putter, they will make a gold yeah, yeah. putter and it yeah. goes in the vault. So. I've got the gold-plated putter with my name and my scores and the the tournament on the on the face of the putter, and I also kept uh, the putter that I used to win in um, Valdosta in Georgia in 2010. But um, yeah, one of the uh, one of the cool things about when I won in uh, at Moonard down in in Victoria in 2008 is the golf bag that I used, which was a big New Kent golf bag with my name on it.
0: Was it like um, the black and green then? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, only only maybe five or six weeks before that event one of my best friends passed away unexpectedly and yeah. i gave i uh, gave his parents my golf bag and um you know that's still that still to the day sits on sits on that's their cool. wall and uh, yeah that was um that's that really was pretty cool. cool that was pretty memorable but um yeah that nick kent stuff was fantastic i just bought one of the three woods only about a month ago online and wasn't it
0: like that the green driver wasn't like the 4dx or something it was called because i because for for me brad fritch was from my hometown and he like went to high school with my sister and we've been friends forever but david mathis who was like his traveling buddy mathis was an ecant guy that's right And i remember but like that company was huge in the
1: seven of the first 10 winners in 2008 on the nationwide tour yeah contracted players and they were I mean, when I won, they bought me a three thousand dollar Omega watch. They were buying other other guys international business class um, airfares for winning. They were really spending big on um, you know on their players who had done well and uh, giving them little little goodies along the way. But unfortunately, they went bust the end of that year. I mean, Jeff was Queenie it that was soon? Yeah. Okay. Jeff Quinney was their big guy on the PGA yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah i mean there's still they still me seven thousand us dollars so if you're watching or listening
0: oh. <laughs> so you can buy they owe you that money so you can go find them on ebay and buy those clubs exactly we re- re- put together the set but yeah that that set from 07. i had the first generation project x so like that smoked yep. finish which they got rid of but man they felt good it's unbelievable and that's one thing i find funny when i do some videos with older drivers like you have the people that, not to disrespect them, but don't have a full understanding of like why technology matters. Like, mm-hmm. sure, we can hit a club that's 10 years old, 20 years old, and we hit it well, it's gonna be just about the same as what we do now. Mm-hmm. But when you miss hit it, it's like, oh my gosh. And I triggered a bunch of people with a tailor-made video where I hit all the drivers from 2013 to now and the R one, which was amazing, was like the longest one. And then I hit the the sim again, and I yeah. hit it further. So I was like, "Oh, the sim one." And so many people are like, "Oh, this is a marketing thing." Like, no, I'm literally having fun. This is the most unscientific. It's the same fucking shaft in every head. Like, this yeah. isn't proving anything. But I'm excited to like do that video with a, a different shot uh, launch monitor where I can show like mishit dispersion, and you're like, "Oh, that's where." you realize your driver from 2011 maybe is good for you but your mishits are costing you 40 yards compared to like stuff now
1: the r ones in my bag as we speak i've been using i know
0: you've been using it for a long time
1: i've been using it for a long time i mean you're right i my tendency is i I hit a lot of drives thin so they get a bit they get a bit spinny and yeah I, i think the the thin The thin strike for me is more when I get a bit steery and a bit fearful of where it's going to go. And you're right. I mean, I lose 30 or 40 yards easily on that type of shot. But I've played a couple of rounds in the past month where I've used the Honmar Persimmon driver from the 1980s. And a flush strike, which is very difficult, but a flush strike um, with the modern golf ball is not too different. I mean, I still get it out there a, a decent distance. But the miss hit is head height it curves so much in the air and i mean a, a thin miss hit off the heel with the persimmon driver is literally going 220 yards 230 yards yeah. as opposed to 300 290 300
0: yeah even like, i noticed that with that um even with the burner the first burner bubble yeah like miss hits are 210 yards like they're so bad yeah. but it still looks so cool because i use the, the tie bubble too back in 98 like that was a that was a big that was a big driver at the time too because my coach we have a course here you spent a bit of time in jacksonville didn't you
1: yeah quite a bit yeah
0: did you ever go and play palatka no No, so the it's a it's a shit it's a 20 dollar course in a Mm -hmm. small town but it's a don ross course that hasn't been touched since 1925 and they host the azalea amateur there like right before the Masters, so they get it in perfect shape but you go play it and my coach whenever we go play it he's he just breaks out his persimmon club his old clubs because he's like it works out here
1: because the
0: golf course hasn't been changed and like there's literally some holes where the green is like two tabletops like it's that small and it's such a good relic of the past and it's nice that unfortunately i guess like small town low budgets was what keeps an old donald ross course an old donald ross course but yeah it's like one of the best places because courses then were designed for the flight yeah. that persimmon and that would do
1: yeah. whereas
0: now it's, it's like everything it's it's just such a different game but yeah hey, it, so. even
1: watching uh watching Winkfoot over the weekend i mean i consider myself a i wouldn't say a long hitter i was 20 years ago but right now i'd yeah. still be probably above average on tour i think if i yeah if i could well and I mean, Wingfoot to me is an absolute beast, and to see what Matt Wolf and Bryson were doing with that golf course is something that I'm not familiar with. And uh, like I said, I've played there a handful of times, and it's just a beast from from tee to green. And yeah, it's um it's a game which I'm certainly not familiar with. And full credit to um for Bryson for doing what he's doing, but um that's just unfamiliar territory for me.
0: But I guess to kind of go back to. Do you, so. Your junior sixes that you're doing, yeah. Are you seeing like junior golfers kind of embracing that style of play, or what yeah. is it like for like Australian juniors? Like, what are they being encouraged to kind of? Because the junior golf program, like, at least I, I mean, I know it pro- produced a lot of yeah good players. In Australia
1: the, does um really really well for such a small country on the international stage, and they always have punched above their weight. I think Bryson, to be honest with you, I think Bryson's probably, and I'm sure you'll agree, Bryson's the only player that I'm seeing right now that's off the tee, is playing like a long drive yeah. player. He, he looks like someone playing in the World Long Drive Championship yeah. when yeah. it's driver, but the rest of the game is so well polished yeah. that that's why he's doing so well. Yeah. In Australia, there's been a real emphasis for the last 20 years on having pure technique and you look at all the Aussies that are coming through like Adam Bats and um, Cam Smith they've all Michael Sim over the years they've all got wonderful techniques but um, I think now it's getting a little bit away from that which is a good thing because good players are all elite players are always going to have a good foundation it's getting more into the, um, the the attack mode and forgetting about technique it's all about scoring and just that will she's to win. She's
0: bugging the shit out of me. So she's in the, she's in the show now.
1: <laughs> You're right. No, I, look, one of the things that I'm trying to do as well is uh, these. I'm 38 years old now and these kids that are coming through, I'm trying to play a lot of golf with them too because yeah. I think it's good for – it's not just good for the rapport with my series but also everything I'm doing in the world of broadcasting and media, that element of, um, first of all, 38 years old is young for the world that I'm in with broadcasting. Yeah. And a lot of the guys, well, most of the guys in the broadcasting don't really play anymore, so that there's, they're not relating too well to what the younger guys are doing. And I find that, that by getting out there and playing with them, as much as I love the, the stuff from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, um, and I understand where people are coming from with their mentality of dial the ball back, dial the technology back, I also have a greater appreciation for what these players coming through can do now, because some, um, believe me, like I can still snap hook it or slice it with the best.
0: And, yeah. um,
1: you know, y- you still have to have exceptional talent to minimize the errors and minimize those shots. And I don't see, I don't see much of that from these young guys coming through now. It's, it's really pure to watch.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, I feel the same way, like, cause I'm doing videos with juniors and, in the YouTube in like that space, like I'm young, I feel old. Like I'm hanging out with, I'm 20 years older than these kids. And they're like, and it just makes me like, fuck, I hate teenagers sometimes because you're like, get off your phone. Like pay it, like, but then down here, especially like they're calling me, sir. And it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not uh, that old. Okay. But it is cool to kind of roll into a bit of a mentor role yeah. beyond just like a digital connection like actually being able to spend time on the golf course with them yeah like i'm about to go play with a kid this week we're going to film the next pro versus junior and he's like uh, he wants a two iron really bad and he's like can i like how was that one the new taylor one i'm like dude i've got like four two irons like let's find one that works for you and oh i'll buy it from you. like no it's yours and like that's it's cool to see if, if it helps them play and helps them get into college or like especially for me like some of the guys i played the canadian tour with are college coaches now down here for good teams like to be able to like connect them potentially with a player it didn't exist when i was coming up so it's like it is really really special doesn't pay any bills but it's one of those things that kind of like we said earlier if you asked the younger version of us we would have scoffed at it And now, even when we were 18, we probably would have like, maybe, uh, okay, here's this 38 year old that wants to play golf with me. Like, I want to beat him. But it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Because over nine holes, I could whoop his ass or he could whoop my ass. Like, it doesn't, like, you just don't know. But it is cool transitioning into a bit of a mentor role for everything golf, but also professional golf.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I use two words all the time opportunities and pathways. And that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to do with this junior series, and um, that that sensation, the rewarding feeling that I get from that is uh, is really really special. And the mentoring role, I know it's something that um, it's something that I didn't really have, and uh, hence why I probably rebelled and did some silly things when I was out there on tour. But um, you know, I, I would tell any young guy coming through now to you've got to have fun if you're going to go and travel yeah. and play that actually helps with your career as well because you've got to have fun away from the course, but there's got to be that work-life balance. And, um, you know, if I can use my experiences similar to what you're doing, if you can use your own experiences to um, to help and assist and guide, well then, um, you know, ev- everything that you've done and, and the mistakes you've made, they've, they've happened for a reason.
0: Yeah, it wasn't in vain. Well, yeah, because I think if you don't have fun – if I were to look back over the amount of years where I didn't enjoy myself yet, I still found little pockets like I have memories like I literally drove across North America my first year on the Canadian tour. It was yeah. 12 years ago. It feels like yesterday. But those are some of the things I remember. And if I didn't stop to have those small bits of enjoyment, I'd, it might be even harder to have come to grips with, all right, the dreams, the dreams changed. Yeah, Cause if you, cause you can actually look back and be like, well, I still like, it was still a lot of fucking fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Even though I missed 80% for me personally, like I missed 80% of my cuts. Like I, I, I mean, I was in a ton of debt because of it, but I can still, there were certain things that were like, I still had a blast. There mm-hmm. was some, there were the lows were super low, but then to, to transition like we have into like more of a mentor role, I was like, you can pass that on.
1: Well, when because I'm when I'm seventy or seventy-five years old, and and I look at Andrew Jensen now, or sorry.
0: Yeah, it's like and it's almost even more powerful that to think that you, you've you got this whole junior series going and it's not just a branch of, well, I've made thirty five million dollars and I need a tax write off and I need all like I need something to my image to look good. It's like, no, I genuinely want to do this yeah. because I don't think if, if we if we didn't hit those super lows, we wouldn't have been able to then do this.
1: No, exactly. Because
0: like, yeah. you're stuck in that, like you said, that pathway. If you were stuck in that pathway of just plotting away and building the bank account, and it's, I kind of say that's why a lot of, and I think it's, a, it can be a bit rude to say it, but I think that's why you see a lot of players that are going to play the Champions Tour until they can't golf anymore. Because they yep. don't know what it's like to be home. They don't know what it's like to have relationships. They don't, like. they just don't know. Yep. And it's... I mean, it sucks. I wish I was playing on the PGA Tour, but yeah. Th- I mean, where we're at now, it's like we're literally having a conversation a world apart or half a world apart about careers, highs and lows that is ultimately... Like, this wouldn't have happened if we were just, like, plodding ar- along and both on the PGA Tour right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, our our, our I mean, impact always, would have been minimal.
1: I I I, I post videos fairly regularly on my Instagram page of my golf swing and I sort of jokingly tongue in cheek write that, you know, I'm only twelve years to go to the champions tour and
0: grind yeah,
1: yeah. starts now. But you know, you never say never to anything because I don't no. know what's gonna happen in, in twelve years' time. But it's it's absolutely not something that's on my radar at all. I mean I I've I had my chance. I, I had my opportunity in my twenties to create something um, for myself on the PGA Tour that I dreamed of off the, at, at the time. I had that chance. I had that opportunity, and there's a reason it didn't happen, and that's because I'm here now doing what I'm doing and probably the same for yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't really want to delve back into the world of where I was because although people say when you're 50, you know, you're out there, there's no cuts, the pressure's off, you're you playing carts, you don't play at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., that's rubbish i mean those guys out there i've i've called the last two u.s senior Opens. so those guys grind for 10 yep. 11 hours a day full credit to them i mean that's that's very admirable for wanting to improve but i think there's a big part of it too that that's all they've ever known and i yep. i personally don't want to go back to that world because that is what took the fun away from it for me anyway
0: oh shit even when i like I was just up in Canada because I had to, like, re-up my healthcare, and But we had quarantine. I didn't know when I was going to be able to come back. And, like, I was away for three weeks. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Whereas, even two years ago when Kelly and I first met, oh, I'm on the road for three weeks. This is great. I still love it. Whereas, I don't, I don't want that life. Now, yeah. if I can travel and do some YouTube for a few days every once in a while, it's that's enough. Yeah. Like, being home is just so different and but it's so much better and but and like we, we kind of always come back to it. it's like we're you're able to have thankfully the the digital world is so different from when we turn pro we can have influence and have like and and grow the game the most fucking overused term in golf that like is so cliched and dumb but Cause what does it mean? It's just like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, we can actually kind of do that in some regard. And it's, I wish I had two nationwide tour wins to have, to, I'm <laughs> sitting right there, but uh, it's still, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, yes. I, I, I think a lot of people have ideas. I've always been someone where my brain has gone a million miles an hour, but I think executing is, uh, is the all important thing. Thing when it when it boils down to it, and that's you know I've got another got a few irons in the fire here that I'm that I'm trying to um, trying to do at the moment and trying to create because I just think that you know I think for me I threw all my eggs into the basket with um, with my professional golf career from the age of 19 through to 30, and as you know, as we've spoken about, it's a very scary time when you walk away from it when that's the only thing you've ever known. Um, yeah. So for me going forward, I mean like I'm learning through this pandemic, I just got my foot in the door at the start of the year with the European tour, I was contracted to broadcast there, contracted to broadcast PGA Tour Live, I had three or four majors, all of a sudden I've been at my mother's house the last six or seven months because I'm not sure what my next move will be given the state of the world at the moment. But anything can happen at any given time. And I, I certainly don't want to ever take anything for granted, but I also want to have other things just in case something doesn't work out because I certainly don't want to be in the same position um, that I was at, uh, that dirty dry, just, you know, clutching at straws, trying to find something.
0: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, that's probably a good way. We, even, we could talk forever. It's kind of the, the through line of this podcast. Is there anything you want to like plug promote or whatever floor is yours
1: uh no i mean tour,
0: tour confidential ebook go download it <laughs>
1: god I, I i probably i might have made about six dollars in the last four months, <laughs> <I think. laughs> and that's not um that's not giving amazon their percentage as well so maybe two dollars or three dollars but um no just the, the hey junior, that's
0: a, that's one vintage visor
1: i just bought a um buick vintage <laughs> visor about two days ago um no, just Junior Sixes Invitational. Uh, it's now called the Adidas Golf Junior Sixes Invitational. But if you look it up on uh, on Instagram, Junior Sixes Invitational, the number six. Uh, we've got another another five qualifying events this year before the national final in Sydney, just prior to Christmas. And um, there's boys and girls playing. There's currently six tour exemptions on offer here in Australia for the boys and girls, which wow, is that's awesome. It's pretty unheard of, plus added asset throwing in uh, two 12-month scholarships for the winners as well. So there's there's a lot of opportunity there for them. And then the plans, I'm actively right now um, planning on expanding this globally in hopefully 2021 if we, can, uh, really? if we can all travel again. But as soon as that is possible, uh, whether it's next year or the year after, we plan on expanding internationally. And, of course, the US is a market where looking at um, – expanding into and um yeah i mean it's it's going to be there's such a there's such a gap there for something like this where the men and the women well sorry the boys and the girls play against one another there's it's a new format the sixes um you've got all these tour exemptions on offer and i'm excited by sort of the the unlimited potential that this series series has and uh and, and where we can go with it
0: that's awesome man well i won't take up any more of your time you have to like go start your day and i'm going to go have dinner
1: <laughs> good on you man well uh, thanks very much for having me on i've, I've appreciated it it's uh, it's been good to chat and uh yeah, man. there's a lot of symmetry there with uh, our own careers and uh anytime just give me a yell
0: i really hope you enjoyed that interview i enjoyed it unfortunately i couldn't share a beer with him because of the time difference, basically, what time it is right now for me recording this part was his time. So he was on the water and the coffee while I was on the beer, but I'm on the coffee now. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. If, um, leave a comment, let me know. Star it. Let me know. And um, yeah, hit me up on YouTube. Hit me up on Instagram and uh, send me a message. Send me a DM. Send me some things you want to hear on this show. We'll see you in two weeks. We're going to talk about some golf. We're going to talk about hopefully how I played in uh, Ormond Beach. We're going to talk about the PGA Tour. We're going to have an awesome interview for you in two weeks. So that is it. My dog is whining at the door. It's time for me to get to the driving range and get to practicing. So thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next episode.